Hello, and welcome to In Person, brought to you by Bizabo. In case you and I haven't already met, I'm Brandon Raffleson, and in each episode of In Person, we explore the world's most daring events and the people who make them happen. Before we dive into today's episode, a quick reminder that November 24th marks Bizabo's next virtual summit, Almost Hybrid. As of recording this intro, over 2,500 events and marketing professionals have already registered for the event, where we'll be bringing together experts from organizations like IBM, CNBC, Ubisoft, and Burning Man to discuss virtual event best practices for today and ideas for planning for the hybrid future of tomorrow. Now, on to today's episode with Kyle Suzuki, head of XM Events at Qualtrics. Is there a gamer in your life? There's a good chance that they are a lot higher functioning than the basement or bedroom bound stereotypes that sometimes still get affixed to the hobby. Gamers are contributing to businesses, they're supporting families, and in some cases, they're sitting in the C-suites of organizations. As a fan of gaming and as an event marketer, Kyle Suzuki gets this. You see, before he was spearheading the flagship events at Qualtrics, Kyle spent years building engaging communities for gamers at brands like EA and Microsoft. The way Kyle sees it, there is a huge amount of overlap between these two seemingly different audiences. In this episode, we discuss just that. Kyle shares his journey from building passionate communities for gamers to building passionate communities of corporate events professionals and what these audiences share in common. He also shares his thoughts on the pros and cons of working towards a five-year career plan, the value he sees in looking at virtual events as campaigns unto themselves, and how he and his team have been adjusting to the new skills and circumstances of 2020. Let's get to it. Welcome, Kyle, to the show. We're so glad to have you today. Uh, Thanks for having me, Brandon. Really excited to be here and excited to chat. We're going to talk a lot about your experience in events and marketing and and your time at X4 and Qualtrics. But before we go down that road, I wanted to talk to you about video games. Now, I know you did some, (laughs) (laughs) you, you know, you worked in a professional capacity on Xbox over at Microsoft for some time. I own an Xbox and, you know, I'm really curious to hear, you know, what is one of your earliest memories of video games? Yeah, I think, you know, one of my earliest memories of video games, and this is probably common for a lot of gamers who grew up kind of the 80s and 90s, was Christmas morning, waking up <laughs> to a present under the Christmas tree and, and opening it up. And, you know, it was a Nintendo, you know, my <laughs> NES and playing Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers. And I think we're always trying to get back to that high, that energy, that excitement of Christmas morning and opening up your first video game system. And that was a clear memory for me and what kind of guided me towards continuing to play games and one day, you know, a career in games. And now I have two kids of my own, two young daughters, and my daughters all summer have been saving money, selling lemonade, doing chores. And (laughs) and also my youngest is her birthday. So we bought them a Nintendo Switch and they, had that moment, me and my wife now have on video of them opening up their (laughs) Nintendo, freaking out, and we'll always have that memory. And that was kind of, again, kind of the connection between my first memory of games and now being able to share that with my daughters has been a lot of fun. Oh, wow. That sounds 
really special. I could totally relate that feeling, you know, on on that Christmas morning, just waking up. <laughs> what is it? On the one hand, it seems like great marketing material for Nintendo or what have you, but it's so true. It's so yeah. true. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, there's all these videos on YouTube of kids across the years opening up their Nintendo. So, uh, but, you know, obviously I love Xbox. I worked for Xbox for a long time. I love Xbox and Nintendo, but for me, my first memory before Xbox existed was my NES. All right. Shout out Nintendo. Shout out yeah. Xbox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's dive into it a little bit more then. I know you have a really unique background that combines this marketing experience from the financial sector, the agency side, as we kind of alluded to, you've led Xbox product marketing initiatives at Microsoft. And of course, today you're leading X4 and events at Qualtrics. As you shared with me previously, it's been a long journey with a through line of community building at its core. So could you walk us through some of the steps of your career and and how they led to where you are today? I started my career, like you mentioned, working for a large national bank. And it was my first job right out of college. I was joining the marketing team. I had no idea that marketing was as broad as it was. And I joined a team that focused on experiential marketing. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I quickly learned I loved it. We were creating experiential moments with customers, with communities, with the bank. And my team specifically focused on multicultural sponsorships that we ran across the country. We did pride events, we did Chinese New Year events, community events. And I just loved the ideation and creation of these programs. But also, this was in 2007, and it was the beginning of the recession. And my wife used to joke, like, hey, Kyle had the steady job at the bank. And that steady job was also the bank I worked for. It was the largest bank to ever fail. And when I lost my job, it was also a time where I could reevaluate what are my passions, what I want to do. And that was kind of the silver lining of losing my job was I could pivot my career, even though it was very early on, which is very similar to probably what a lot of people are going through in 2020 right now too, Yeah, with everything that's going on. But at that time, I had a mentor who asked me, like, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? And we just kind of talked about a lot of things. Like, it sounds like you love gaming and maybe (laughs) you should go work at Xbox. I was like, you can work in video games? That sounds amazing. (laughs) Young kid out of college, you know, and a little bit of experience. And at the time, as a coincidence, my manager at the bank, her husband worked in partner marketing at Xbox. And all I knew was played a lot of video games, got to go to the Super Bowl, got to go to the NFL draft. It was all for work. And I was like, (laughs) That's my dream job. I have to have that job. So being a planner, I'm like, all right, I have five years. This is my five-year plan to get to that dream job. I need Microsoft experience, gaming experience. I need to become more of a strategic marketer. And I kind of went on that path. And what that took me down was I then joined an agency, worked for an agency in experiential marketing. That agency focused on sponsorships and events and partnerships. And the client was Xbox. So sort of my foot in the door into gaming and Microsoft, but it was because of my experiential background that I was able to go do that. And I loved working on the agency side, behind the scenes, going from client to agency, building programs, building product launch moments for Xbox and their games, going in, pitching them, executing them. Like it was an awesome experience. And through that, there was someone who I'd built a relationship with and kind of saw, I think, similarities in my career and their career. And they suggest like, Hey, would you be interested in applying for a job at Xbox? And, you know, I was low on the <laughs> totem pole on the agency side and accounting executive. I'm like, I'm not qualified. I'm not ready yet. But 
that person kind of gave me the confidence to say when a job did open, hey, actually, it doesn't hurt. I'm interested in this job. And it ended up being that position. They needed someone with experiential background. And it worked out. I went from the agency to the client. And I became the client, you know, on <laughs> on Xbox. And the new role I was in was product marketing, is partner marketing. And I worked specifically with EA Sports, who does Madden, FIFA, but EA does a lot of different video games. But right. they needed someone who had that experiential lifestyle marketing background because that's a lot of what EA did. And I remember being in the job and I got to go to the Super Bowl and I got to go to the NFL draft and I talked to my partners and said, this was like my dream. <laughs> like, you got there. It was my dream. It was going to take me five years. And the only thing that was different was it ended up taking about two and a half years. And the weird thing was my manager at the bank, her husband, who was in this dream job at Xbox, I ended up being the one to replace him. And I was in the exact same job that he was in those two years later. And it was just kind of my dream come true. And that was the beginning of my career, my stint at Xbox. I worked there for eight years in product marketing, launched a lot of games. Big titles that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, we worked on some great things like Titanfall. That was the launch of Xbox One and Gears of War 4, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Just a lot of really fun titles, both from partner marketing side to kind of running my own marketing campaigns. And throughout that time at Xbox, what I found was even though I was in product marketing, I really leaned in on experiential, building those activations with the gaming community at conferences, at events, trying to do things in different ways and bringing my game to life and creating that connection. So that was kind of what I leaned into. And then ultimately where we are today was after those eight years, someone from Qualtrics reached out to me, hiring manager. And I honestly hadn't really heard a lot about Qualtrics, but after that one phone call, I was convinced because one, he was just so passionate and excited, but also he was passionate and excited about the company, the growth of the company, the opportunity. And I remember stopping him and asking him when we were on this phone call, why you're there makes sense. Why this company is exciting makes sense. But why me? I don't have any B2B experience. I'm consumer entertainment marketing. I've worked on video games. And he said, honestly, and that's what I love about him. And we still have a good relationship. He's like, we suck at launching products. We're horrible at it. And when we launch a product, we send out a press release, we update a .com webpage, but we have aspirations to be big and to be bold. And we want someone who has that experience in gaming, doing the biggest launches, doing awesome, exciting things to bring that over here to Qualtrics. And thinking through like the cycle of where my career started, specifically in experiential, to going to product marketing, to have the opportunity to go back to full-time experiential. They create a role. I could make an impact. I could ideate, bring things to life. And everything I knew at the time about Qualtrics is they went big, they were bold. X4 was something I had heard of. And when I learned more about that, all of the reasons why it was the right next step for me. And I've been here a little over two years now, and it's been a dream come true. That's amazing. One of the things you mentioned there was that your gaming experience, your experience in the gaming industry stood out to this otherwise very B2B organization. And in my conversations with other event and marketing leaders, that's something that's come up quite a bit, especially now that we're in this virtual world. It seems like there's quite a bit of interest in looking to the gaming sector. From your perspective, why do you think that is? And I'd also love to learn a little bit more about how you sort of put this experience into action at Qualtrics. 
Yeah. Well, the gaming industry is super interesting because I think historically people thought of gamers as like, you know, live in the basement, kind of they're, they're nerds and everyone games, everyone games. And what people care about right now are engaged audiences and communities, people who care, who are passionate, who aren't going to engage once a month, once a year, like every day, they're going to be online and engaging with your product and with your platform. And that's what gaming provides. And that, again, like they've been virtually gaming, creating virtual communities and platforms for a very long time. And now that we're moving to everyone going virtual, everyone's kind of looking to gaming. And I know from friends in the industry, this has been a great time for gaming. Everyone's at home and they're looking for entertainment and they can't travel and they can't go out of the house. So they're playing games. But one of the things that is unique about gaming is their audience is just so passionate. They're so passionate and you need to be authentic with them and you need to get them excited and you need to surprise them. And that was kind of the approach that I wanted to bring to Qualtrics is we need to be authentic. We need to be strategic and we need to surprise people. We need to try to do things differently in order to stand out when we're showing up at an event, when we're going to try to cut through the clutter. We want people to pay attention to us. Got to be bold. We got to try things differently. And gaming has always done that because it's so competitive. And honestly, people may not think of this, but there are world-class marketers in gaming. And it's a tough industry to get into, but it's super creative and people are very passionate. And be able to take that over into the B2B space, I think has been an advantage to me and has helped me add value to Qualtrics as an organization. So you were hired by Qualtrics, bringing this experience to the table. What did it look like when you started bringing this different approach of, you know, working with a, a mostly virtual, super passionate audience and translating it to somebody <laughs> who's working, who's like sitting in front of yeah. a computer <laughs> and using Qualtrics software? I think in the end of the day, no matter what your profession is, everyone has their own passions, has the same things that excite them. So it didn't need to be like, oh, well, I'm talking to a gamer to I'm talking to chief experience officer. The things that I think get them both excited still translate. And when we were thinking about launching products, doing things differently at Qualtrics, a lot of the ideas still translate over. It's like, oh, this is an idea that has worked before. We can bring it to a Qualtrics related event and bring it to life. So I can give an example of that. One of the first projects I worked on at Qualtrics the product leader came to me and said, hey, we're going to launch a new product. And it's really specific to expert design and speed. Like, okay, expert design and speed. And we're going to go launch it at this marketing research event. And we want to go big and bold and just take over this event. And I'm imagining, I've never been to a marketing research event. I have now. But at the time, like, hey, it's probably a row of sponsors, six-foot tables, tablecloths, stress ball relievers, a free pen. So <laughs> we could go take over this event. So expert design, speed. We want to stand out. Qualtrics goes big and bold. I dated through a few things and what we landed on were sports cars. <laughs> like expert design, speed, and it's getting loud. <laughs> and we have an awesome in-house creative team. We did Qualtrics branded final professional wrap sports cars. We had two Ferraris. We had one in the booth. We had one outside, a Porsche, a Lamborghini. And basically anyone who took a product demo was able to sign up to get a free ride around Scottsdale. We had professional drivers and people just loved it because a lot of people had never been in a Lamborghini before or a Ferrari. And they got a photo with the car afterwards and we just took over the event. So that was, again, 
would you see that in gaming? Yeah, probably. But people loved it. And they didn't need to be a car enthusiast. They just were surprised by it and had fun. So that was kind of an example of something that we brought to life. That was a really fun project. Really tapping into that childlike joy of getting to ride in a really freaking cool car. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Cool. So you were kind of in this role for some time where you're assisting with, with different experiential campaigns and different projects. But eventually, you ended up spearheading X4, which really was the first large B2B conference that you oversaw. What was that like, you know, hopping into this role? And what were some of your biggest takeaways from, from owning this flagship event? Luckily, my first year at Qualtrics, I was able to work on a few big projects at X4 and own like a component of it, really get my feet wet, understand the event before the second year where they're like, hey, we want you to go and, and take on this big event. And a handful of things that I learned, but also approaches I took. The first was just sitting down and meeting with everyone on the team, because up until recently, we, we didn't have a dedicated X4 team. It was just me. But everyone kind of leaned in, everyone pitched in to pull off X4. So I made sure to sit down, meet with everyone, learn about what's worked well that we can build upon. What are the things that consistently people are saying, this isn't working, we need to fix it. And then the other thing I kept in, an eye out for was any time that something fell a little off that people said the magic words, but we always do it this way. That raised the red flag for me saying, oh, hey, we might need to reevaluate that because it's okay to try things different and it's okay to go take a different path. So that was one of the things that was really important to me, just sitting down, learning, building allies and building partners because we need everyone to pitch in to pull off this big event. But a couple other things too. I think a big one was prioritizing my requests. Coming in new, I'm like, hey, here's a whole laundry list of things I need. But figuring out like, well, what's the most important, impactful thing that I can go and ask for? And one of the things that I really thought through was our event has evolved. We went from 500 people to what was planned for 14,000 people this last year. And one of the things I identified is like, hey, we need to bring in more marketing expertise and resources. So again, we do a lot of in-house planning execution. And I brought in a really awesome marketing agency, event agency to partner with us. And it was the right call. And it was of all the things I could do, that was kind of the primary thing that I prioritized. I think a couple last things. One is I really focused in on the budget up front. People want to throw out ideas and what can we do? And it's like, how much money do we have? And that means setting ticket pricing, discounting, like figuring out all of those things. Because I joke, you know, more money, more problems, but sometimes more money, less problems with events. So knowing what our budget was and what we had to work with really helped us then dream big as a starting point from there. And then, yeah, the last thing was we created this review process. It's like review, 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 because what's awesome about Qualtrics is we have just a super creative CMO and head of creative. And the two of them are awesome partners. They built this event from scratch, from when it was 500 people to where it is now. But over time, our organization's grown, the responsibilities have grown. They can't be as deep in the weeds. So I needed to prioritize what are the most impactful things that we can get in for them to react to, review. They just see experience and design just differently than anyone I've worked with before. So for me, it was really important to build this process where they could review, they could give feedback, they could improve, but then not need to be into the deep weeds of everyday planning. And the outcome from that was really good. And that was something that we identified, we really thought went well this last year, and we want to continue into the future. That's super interesting to hear. I mean, from the prioritization of requests 
to you know meeting with all the stakeholders and, and hearing. But we always did it this way. Whenever that comes up, to hammering out that budget and getting an idea of that, and to working with leadership and, and being aligned with them, I think that's really helpful to hear. And whether somebody's taking ownership of a giant flagship event like X4, or you know if they're launching a new virtual program, or as we move into 2021, experimenting with different virtual programs or hybrid programs, it could be helpful to keep in mind. Which brings us to today, like other organizations producing events around the world, you and your team were left with no choice but to cancel X4 amid the pandemic. So within eight weeks, you were able to produce an alternative virtual experience work different. It's a virtual series that covers how organizations in every industry are identifying emerging experiences and are responding to them. And I know you initially set a goal of 10,000 registrations and ended up driving 30,000 registrations and counting. I mean, that's huge. You're planning for this this large in-person experience and then having to turn on a dime to virtual and having such success. Could you briefly walk us through the launch of the Work Different series from ideation to programming? When this all kind of came up kind of late spring, early summer, honestly, our team was still, to a certain extent, licking our wounds. We canceled and delayed the event a week before the event was going to take place. So we were still in this process of closing out contracts, trying to maintain relationships, close things out. And that's when this event idea came to life around work different. And what was different though, was instead of me taking it on by myself for the first time, we had a dedicated kind of big company moment team. And it was something that we could all work on together because In the past, a lot of the things we've never done before, we didn't have a playbook to go create. Those are like kind of special projects, like Kyle, go figure this out. And now I have a special projects team to go do those things. And kind of this idea of work different around highlighting the world's leading brands and how they're taking action today to pivot their business in reaction to the pandemic, racial inequality. That's something that I think a lot of customers, a lot of brands were interested in learning about which is why making it timely and turning it around so quickly was so important. It's not, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we planned this event and we had six to eight months? It's like, no, no, we need to turn this around fast. And we've done a lot of webinars and product-specific and audience-specific webinars, but we had never done a truly global, like all-company virtual event. So with that in mind, we were sort of building the runway as we were going towards launch, because we needed to just get everyone together and really focus and on pulling this together and really proud of the outcome. We had an awesome event. Was it perfect? No. Is there room for improvement? Yeah, absolutely. But with the time we had available, I think it was a great experience for our attendees and is really focused on just trying to pull together the best stories. We focused on our video production quality too, to make sure that people felt, wow, this is thoughtful detailed, you know, high quality. I think all of those things really led to the success of the event. Right. And I mean, to speak briefly on some of the speakers, I mean, we're talking Tony Hawk, Omar Johnson, the business leader, uh, folks from the NBA, United States Census. So, I mean, really a bunch of different leaders from different industries, like you said, and also not all in, in one day. It was the approach to distributing the programming was over was the course of weeks. Yeah. So our work different event, it's a campaign. It wasn't a one and done event where we're like, hey, we're going to do this one thing and walk away. Work different is kind of a strategic, cohesive campaign that the August 12th event 
which we've kind of started talking about was the kickoff to that campaign where we're going to have regular content or have new speakers every month kind of running through the end of the year. And I think that was a key lesson for us too. It's like, let's not just do one thing and walk away. Let's build something that the rest of marketing can kind of align around because we have a strong idea. When we saw registration go to 30,000, we're like, this is resonating. This is something people are interested in. And being able to get the whole marketing organization to align around that theme and this concept of how companies are working differently was powerful and something that we wanted to continue. Very cool. Well, clearly you were doing something right with the success you're seeing there. I mean, what do you credit with how quickly you were able to make this adaptation, trying to avoid the pivot word, and with the success you've had from registrations? Yeah, I think the main thing, the primary factor is having a dedicated team and just an awesome dedicated team. Like I had mentioned, we've never really had a team focused on X4 and This was a year where we finally were able to form a team to focus on the future of X4 and to take on big company moments like Work Different. And I was really lucky because I almost felt like I kind of hand-selected some of these people that have now joined my team. They all raised their hand and said, I want to jump in. I'm excited to work on big, awesome things. And that has gone really well because then now all of us together take this on. The other thing, probably a common theme, is prioritization. Work Different wasn't a replacement of X4. Work Different was like a timely topic and an event we wanted to pull off. But do we want to make it interactive? Do we want to make it like unexpected experience? Do we want to make it big and bold in the way X4? Absolutely. But most importantly, we need to get it done in eight weeks. We wanted to focus on the customer stories. So we prioritized customer stories and the attendee experience. So with that, it was able to really focus in on what we needed to go do to hit these dates. And again, like you mentioned, we had awesome speakers. We had Brene Brown, we had Omar Johnson, Tony Hawk, and then the MBA was a big one. Having the chief diversity officer from the MBA lined up for the event, knowing that the season started end of July. So with this event in August, it was very timely. People were interested in like, what's going on with the MBA? And then a big thing I have, always have to give credit, this is similar to what I faced in gaming and awesome about Qualtrics is we have a super loyal, engaged base. They come to X4 every year. They're excited about X4. They tell their friends and their coworkers about everything Qualtrics is doing. And we saw that early on. As soon as we announced it, we had all these people sign up and we're really excited to see and learn about Work Different. Now that you had the events and that this ongoing campaign, what are some of the biggest lessons that you personally are taking away from this virtual experience? I think one of the biggest lessons, and we've talked about this as a team, instead of trying to push out a lot of small digital events, taking the time to be strategic and impactful with one bigger event has driven great results for us. And that really means like thinking about video production, bringing in the right speakers, building a proper demand gen plan, and then having, again, not a one-off moment, but a campaign as a starting point, a rallying point, which was August 12th, to then lead the rest of our activities through the end of the year was a really good lesson for us because sometimes it can be easy to be like, hey, this product team or this experience, they have their goals and their things that they need to do. But bringing everyone together around one thing, we saw a lot greater results from that approach. Yeah, no, that's really interesting to hear. I mean, taking that campaign, that drawn out approach, but also having one big event as a focal point. I know that something you mentioned uh, before this interview was on some of the challenges with creating virtual communities. Where do you see the real potential being there in 
connecting people on, on a global scale, for instance? Yeah, you know, I think there's a real potential with creating virtual communities because we can engage with a much larger audience than we could with our physical event like X4. X4 is our biggest thing, but now our scale is so much greater. And honestly, I think we can also engage at a deeper level too. The barrier to entry for participation is much lower. Instead of buying a pass, taking time off from work and family, getting on an airplane from the comfort of your own home. And in a lot of cases, like work different, it's free. And you can log on, you can participate. However, I do want to flag, there is probably a risk too, because there's something special about the in-person event, about the experience, interactivity, the surprise and delight moments that you can do at scale. It's a lot easier for me to come up with amazing moments for 10,000 people in person than it is to figure out what's that unique, special thing for 10,000 people online. So those are the things that we're thinking about as an organization. I'm sure the industry is in general, is how do you create those unexpected personal moments at scale virtually? Because I think in smaller groups, we can do that. But at scale, that's kind of where the challenge is. And again, there's pros and cons to the approach. What we're trying to solve for right now is what makes our physical events so special? How do we translate that to a virtual event as well? All right. So considering these these virtual experiences, but also that value of in-person, how are you and your team thinking about the future? Caveating that with that there's uh, quite a bit of uncertainty still. We're thinking through a lot of ideas around interactive experiences that we can bring to a digital virtual audience. We have some things in plans. I don't want to share all the detail because sure, sure. I still want it to be a surprise and delight moment. But one example I can share of something we've done in the past that I think is an approach we could potentially bring again is we did this about a year and a half ago when we were acquired by SAP and wanted to announce the acquisition and the partnership of Qualtrics, which represented X data, experience data, and SAP O data, operational data. When X and O came together, <laughs> and the timing was right around Valentine's Day. And we created, instead of doing a digital campaign, we went old school and created just a really beautiful custom mailer. There's this awesome box. And again, we have a really strong design team where you open this box, automatically played a video of our two CEOs talking about the partnership. And we had custom X and O chocolates in this box as a chocolate box. And we shipped it to arrive the week of Valentine's Day. And it kind of had the details, the tasting notes and the different type of chocolate and also a VIP pass to X4 and to Sapphire SAP's event. And oh, awesome. I think it was just an unexpected approach. And we were able to send this out to kind of our VIP prospects around the world. And we received an awesome response and had a lot of people who we had never been able to work with before come out to X4 and go to Sapphire and want to learn more about Qualtrics and XM. So. I think those are the types of experiences my team is starting to think through around how we can do things differently and add some interactivity to our virtual events, maybe through the physical forum, like a mailer or whatever that might be. That sounds like a very cool campaign, combining a little bit of visual, a little bit of audio, and some tasty chocolates. Yes. Yes. Everyone likes chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to shift to you know your perspectives on leadership and, and, and management. Starting with your team, I, I mean, I know that gearing up for this year's in-person explorer, you hired some additional headcount. What do you think has been helpful in, in helping your team members adjust their processes and skills from getting ready for a big in-person event to building this very novel virtual experience? 
I think the first thing that me and my team have spent a lot of time thinking about is like our mindset, our approach. And I think it still relates to both a physical explore to a potential, you know, virtual event, but even more so now to virtual events is having this entrepreneurial small business mindset and understanding like we're not just planning food and beverage. We're strategic business leaders. We're owners of in an X4, our biggest business and brand moment for the company. So it's less about checking off our, our tasks and to-do list and really thinking through why are we doing the things we're doing? And do we need to put more investment and time and budget and resources into specific aspects of this event to make it more impactful? So that's one thing, just thinking through our mindset and our approach of events in general. But I think the second thing that has helped us translate from physical to virtual is just matching up our skill sets, our strengths, our experiences on the team from physical, what we did for physical events to the virtual kind of translation of that program. So an example is I have this awesome person on the team named Anna, and she's a keynote designer. She came from Apple. She worked on all of their big moments and presentations, and she's like our secret weapon. And she works on all of our product keynotes, our exec keynotes, and she kind of manages it from a producer standpoint, but also all the design and presentation work as well. Going from physical to virtual, a lot of that process still is in place. There's obviously some changes in there, but it was very easy for us to take Anna from the physical export event and apply her to our virtual work different event and still continue to run that process. Prior to COVID-19, Qualtrics had a somewhat restricted work from home policy. Now with the pandemic, the company has embraced a work remote culture. What have you found to be helpful in working remotely with your team members and other company stakeholders? We obviously, like most organizations, have gone from a lot of in-person meetings, working in the office to we're all spread out, we're all virtual. And I think one of the things that's been helpful is our company is really focused and our leadership is really focused on this idea of empathy. It may sound kind of funny, but really understanding each individual the personal challenges, asking the right questions, having the right conversation about anxiety, mental health issues they might be facing in their personal life. Because we're all going through a lot right now. And like I talked about earlier, 2007 was a moment where I shifted my focus on what's important to me. And I think 2020 is that same thing for a lot of people as well. And people are thinking about like, what do I want to do now? What do I want to do five years from now? What do I want to be when I grow up? And a lot of it always comes back to Lining values, values of your team, your organization, your company, but also do people feel respected and feel valued themselves? So the company's done a really good job thinking more about that and having those conversations. Because one thing that I think is important to call out is it's hard to get into Qualtrics. If you make it in, you're experienced, you're hardworking, you're proactive, anyone who's here, I trust, they're going to get the job done. So it's important for them to feel like they have this balance between work and life and they feel valued and feel respected because if they're motivated, they're going to do the work. So that's something that's been really important. And, and a specific example of a benefit that I've had available to me is something that SAP offers. It's called crisis leave. And we have 10 days that we can take off as it relates to how you've been impacted by COVID. And for me, it's my daughter. And she's in elementary school, virtual schooling. So every Monday, I'm taking Monday to be offline and to be online with her and to help her with school. And the only reason why I'm able to do that is because my team supports me. 
and backs me and makes sure that things can keep moving. And I want to do that for them in return. When they need to take time off, when they need to do the things that they need to do, we're all flexible. We all support each other. And it doesn't work if we aren't able to do that. But that's been something that's been special about how Qualtrics and SAP, we've all been adjusting, maintaining the culture, caring about each other, having good conversation, but then having benefits like crisis leave to balance everything we're doing, working from home, and also you know, virtual school and whatever that might be for everyone. What have been some highlights from those Monday sessions so far? <laughs> One of the things is, you know, pre-COVID, my daughter would be really happy if maybe once a week, if that, maybe every other week, I dropped down to her school to have lunch with her. And sometimes I was able to do that, but it's really hard. It's really hard when you head in the office and finding time for that. And now we get to have lunch like all the time together. And it's really special. And we can talk about school and you know, I can kind of take a break from work. And that's been really nice. Amazing. All right. Well, who's someone you look up to in events, marketing, or business in general? I find inspiration. I look up ideas from a lot of different places. That's kind of what's fun about what my team gets to do is I don't think there's one single source. We find inspiration ideas just everywhere. And for me, the gaming industry, obviously, is a place that I look to for just innovative, creative, really cool ideas. But also there's sports, there's fashion. And a surprising area for me over the years has been my kids. What are the things that they find interesting and exciting? Because maybe that could translate into like a really cool activation or idea. And in the same way, like I tell my team, what are the things you enjoy? If you enjoy it, someone else might enjoy it too. And it doesn't need to have a perfect fit yet, but an idea or a program or something will come up where you're like, oh, I really like that. Let's connect these two things and and bring them to life. And a couple examples of that were I did some uh, card packs and the idea of like the nostalgia of opening up cards and kind of remembering what that was and the nostalgia of that. I did that for a video. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. a, that's a, that's another great childhood. <laughs> yes. A very good childhood memory. Another one was a coin operated claw machine. I think everyone has interacted with one at some point in time, but that's then a, there's that's that a whole, very frustrating childhood memory. <laughs> it, it is because you're like, ah, oh, I'm not going to win something. How much money do I want to spend? So I brought that to an event for a video game. Everyone played the demo, got a coin to operate it. And everyone's guaranteed a prize. And we had all sorts of swag in there. We had the longest line at the event. Everyone's (laughs) like, this is awesome. There's a coin-operated machine here. So yeah, you can find ideas in a lot of different places. But an interesting one has been, what do my kids enjoy? And thinking about like nostalgia, one of the things that I enjoyed as a kid, because adults can enjoy those things too. Oh, that's great to hear how different ways of of, of looking outside of the typical uh, day-to-day B2B world. My final question for you, Kyle, is if you could give an earlier version of yourself, one piece of advice, what would it be and why? I think the main thing that's been helpful for me and that I would tell myself is don't pick a job because strategically it makes sense or it makes the most sense on your resume. Try to find something you're passionate about. But there's two things that in addition to being passionate about it, one, you need to be okay at it, have some skill in it. And someone needs to want to pay you for (laughs) that skill and that passion. Ideally, those things come together. But anytime I've picked a job because like, oh, this makes sense. You know, I'm not really excited about the work, but strategically, this makes sense for my next step. I've hated that job. I've just hated it. And anytime I've been like, I'm excited about doing that work. 
you know, you put in the time, you put in the effort to hone that skill and to get better. And that's kind of been the path I've taken. It's, and it's usually like, if I'm passionate about it, it's the fun job, the fun project, the next fun job. And that has been fun. That's kind of kept me excited about my career. And that's the thing that I wish I'd figured out earlier is just find the projects that you're passionate about. And that could be the people, it could be the work, could be the product, but whatever it is, make sure it's something you're excited about. And if you do that, you'll find success. You'll find success, whatever that might be. I love it. Kyle, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you about events, marketing, video games, Lamborghinis, nostalgia. <laughs> it's been a real blast. I mean, how can our listeners keep up with Qualtrics, X4, and all the amazing work that you're doing? Go check out qualtrics.com backslash work different. A lot of our content from this August event is on demand there and free and accessible for everyone. But also every month we're adding a new awesome speaker, more customers, more leaders who are talking about working differently to that site. So we're really excited to see how this evolves and the new content we have through the end of the year. And then 2021 is going to be a really big year for us as well as we have more to announce around upcoming events, the future of X4. But yeah, no, it's it's exciting and a great starting point will be check out our website for more. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you again to Kyle for joining us and thank you all for listening. By this point, the idea that B2B marketing and event professionals should be looking to the world of B2C is nothing new. We've already featured leaders from brands like Rubrik and Twitter on this show who have shared as much. I have a feeling that by the end of 2020, the idea that organizers should be looking to the gaming community will itself be a no-brainer. Speaking to Kyle, I can see why. Gamers are loyal users of a product, but they are also outspoken with their feedback. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter recently, but us folks in the B2B community can be pretty outspoken with our opinions as well. We often need to use a given product or service every single day. We have high expectations for what that experience should look like, and when those expectations aren't met or when we have some idea, we want our voices to be heard. So, how do you please a tough crowd? It's a super complex issue, but it seems like tapping into that joy is one helpful thing to keep in mind. But I'll leave you with Kyle has to say as he thought about taking his gaming experience to Qualtrics. He said, we need to be authentic, we need to be strategic, and we need to surprise people need to try to do things differently to cut through the clutter. That's it for this one. If you'd like to share some feedback for in person or suggest a guest or a topic for us to cover in future episodes, please drop us a line at in-person at bizbo.com. If you found this episode to be helpful in any way, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast and follow us on your podcast platform of choice. Both of these actions can help other people find out about the show. You can also find full transcripts of the show along with key takeaways at inpersonpodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Brandon Raffleson, and this has been In Person.